Welcome to Here for the Health of It podcast. I'm Dr. Randy, here with Dr. Tom, as always, and we are Columbia's hottest podcast. Uh, we got a special guest today. We have Jeremy Smith, who is with The Garnet Trust, and we're going to be talking about all things NIL deals. Perfect. Name, Sounds great. Name, image, and likeness. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Tell, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and where they can find you if they want to hear more. Absolutely. So I'm with The Garnet Trust uh, and also The Garnet Trust Foundation, and we'll Sure, we'll get into more details of what those two, the differentials between those two are, but uh, you can find us uh, at thegarnettrust.com or at uh, garnettrustfoundation.org. Um, and we help represent the University of South Carolina student athletes in uh, monetizing on their name, image, and likeness. Love that. And most people can probably tell from your voice, but you have a radio show. Or well, you're on a radio show. Well, yeah, or we purchased the rights to have a radio show, but. Uh, I typically try to stay away from it because we like to bring the athletes in. No one wants to hear, you know, too much about me. Mm. I know today's different because, you know, we're going to dig real deep into my life. <laughs> yep, but, yep. Um, but there, yeah, it's uh, we, we do it on, on 107.5, the game, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. Uh, it's a great medium for us to get the athletes to start talking about themselves, start building or monetizing on their brand by getting local businesses to uh, to hear their story and, and figure out a way that they can utilize them and things like that. Very cool. Yeah. We had Kai Kroger on the I podcast a little while ago. He was awesome. Kai's awesome. He's one of my favorite uh, student athletes to work with. Um, I uh, I uh, not only you know love him on the football field, but he's also a pretty darn good golfer too. So uh, we try to bring him out to play golf when we can uh, at some of the events we do. Do you? I t- I've texted him a few times about golfing, but he always just – Blows you off. He acts like he's busy. He <laughs> acts like he has things to do yeah, in the middle of I football mean, it's, season. It's crazy. Yeah, he 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 does play that card a lot. <laughs> that, so what other what other athletes have been on it lately? Well, I mean, we started it back. Uh, gosh, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I think we started it closer back in February, Marchish mm-hmm. um, time frame, um, and uh, we've had athletes from all different sports. Um, right now, because of football season, we're definitely trying to. Um, utilize as many football players as we possibly can because the listeners want to hear about the preparation and what they did that previous week, et cetera. Um, but uh, on tomorrow's, um, we have a transfer from the University of Kentucky track athlete who holds several NCAA records, um, and she is going to come on and talk a little bit about uh, track and field and some of the stuff that she's doing and um, and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Not many soccer players, though. No. Sh- shockingly, um, uh, you know, let's – allow me to change my view on this as we leave, but I love working with the soccer teams. Um, women's soccer teams or uh, women's soccer team at Carolina is uh, really one of my favorites. They're the most awesome uh, young ladies on, on the face of the earth. They're very responsible. They're very appreciative. And uh, I try to do as much as I possibly can with them. That's cool. They're a top 10 program now too, right? They are. They are. They played uh, Tennessee last night and uh, actually last uh, four minutes of regulation um, scored a, a tying goal. So they uh, tied. Nice. Wow. Last night. Oh, nice. So you guys, did you guys just start the foundation and the trust, or how long has that been in existence? Yeah, fair enough. So the Garnet Trust um, started back in uh, November of 21. Um, the idea for the Garnet Trust initially was to be right out of the gate, uh, a, a, a place, uh, a foundation to build uh, this NIL, you know, opportunity for the students of USC. But uh, we did that for, you know, about, call it a good year. Um, very, very grassroots in nature. We still are to some degree, but really working with trying to find an opportunity for the fans to, yeah. to get closer to the athletes. Now that they can monetize, we can bring athletes to events. 
Uh, we can do signing, um, you know, memorabilia opportunities, things of that nature. And that's how it was really uh, started back in in November of 21. Um, as we started to grow and started getting into 22, um, we knew that uh, starting a foundation would allow us to um, give that tax break to a lot of the donors who wanted to give some some significant money um, gotcha. and so forth. So we, we thought that would be a great way for us to start um, getting some larger funding, but most importantly, outside of that, was an opportunity for us to really utilize athletes to give back to the community. Um, Columbia has so many uh, wonderful nonprofits here, um, and so many of them um, don't get the attention that they deserve. So we thought, well, heck, you know, if we bring someone who's pretty popular on campus, um, who gets a lot of um, followings, whether it be social uh, or, or even you know through the local media. Um, if we bring them to those charities and they work inside and help facilitate whatever their needs are, it's going to bring and lift up that, uh, that, that nonprofit. So that was really the core motivation for me was to bring that component into the NIL. Um, but it also offered us the opportunity to get larger donations as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So what's the operation look like just from grassroots for people that are listening, like Garnet Trust, is it a group of lawyers? Is it a group of marketing people? Is it a combination of all kinds of things? Like, what's the operations look like? Yeah, the operations, um, well, it's uh, it's only me and one other gentleman. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, okay. now we uh, we do sub out uh, some stuff for marketing, some stuff for sales to help do business activations and things like that. But uh, as far as uh, so-called salary employees, it's just me uh, and Mark Benoit, who came from a political background. And Mark does a fantastic job of helping us on the fundraising side. So he spends all his energy on finding those donors who are willing to give to the nonprofit side or helping us come up with ideas that would help uh, on the membership side that would gotcha. allow the fans to interact with the athletes. Nice. And then I guess you, you got, are you guys negotiating and structuring the contracts when it comes to if a small business wants to work with an athlete, they contact you guys, sit down, kind of negotiate some sort of deal and then go from there. Yeah, we do. Unless the athlete has um, representation outside of that. So, um, the athletes are allowed to have agents, just like uh, NFL, Major League player, baseball players, and all that kind of stuff goes. And some of the football players actually have agents who also represent some of the largest NFL players. So when it comes to the negotiating contracts, they really are the ones involved in that. So we just become a, a pass-through. Uh, but if you're not uh, officially represented by an agent, then, yes, we do help negotiate that. Nice. It's, it's interesting what it's done opening up sponsorships to student-athletes. Because for a while, I kept hearing – I can't believe how much money the university's making and they're not making, not just South Carolina in general, but just Everyone. everybody yeah. making so much money off these huge, and I know football's probably the one that you hear about the most, but basketball, there's a ton of sports. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, there's these 18 year olds, 19 year olds that are making millions of dollars. Yeah, while I think, going to school. Yeah, I think that number is a little, is very skewed on the on the millions of dollars. There are definitely several individuals throughout the country that are making the seven figures amounts, but the numbers I think are grossly over over exaggerated, and part of that is too from a could be a uh, a recruiting tool because if someone thought they could come to the University right. of South Carolina and make set you know make two three four million dollars a year to to play to play their sport even though they can't be compensated for playing that sport. But just come to the university because we can help build their brand from a name, image, and likeness perspective. Um, it does help. So I think a lot of people put that out into the universe, hoping that people will pick up the phone and call. Shockingly, people see things on social, and it leads them to believe things that we know are not true. But they do reach out and say, hey, this might be a good institution to come from because so-and-so got X. Um, and they put it out on social from an NIL perspective. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it is quite crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand. And, and I'll put this right back into your, to your plate baseball, I mean, America's pastime, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big sport. 
how many full scholarships do you think um, baseball team gets? Got to be like 15. 15. There's 30 yeah. players. That might... I, I have no clue. So they get, yeah, full scholarships. They get 11.7 to go over 30 different wow, athletes. Wow. And not one of them is a full scholarship. So that means no every, way. yeah. So every single athlete has to pay some of their tuition. And just think about it. If you come from out of state, you're paying out of state tuition. So now that's, you know, $45,000, $50,000 a year, which right. is crazy money. So yeah. this has given them an opportunity to offset their tuition. And most of the sports outside of basketball and football, they have to do that. So they are, we are helping them pay off their student t- uh, tuition so that they're not going in debt when they leave the university. And who's a typical sponsor? Is there, is there such a thing as a typical no, sponsor? No, there's not. I mean, it could be anything and everything. I mean, it could be anywhere from, you know, an airline all the way down to a local, uh, you know, cleaner. I mean, if right. it's, it, it just depends on what that business believes is a good way to market themselves and to get more attention. So hopefully they get more, uh, more money or more work, et cetera. Are there any rules around that, though? Like, could Platinum West, a strip club, give money and get promoted or I honestly, I don't, I don't, I think they could, I don't know. We're not going to, we're not going (laughs) to, yeah, I I probably wouldn't be long in my position if we allowed that to happen, but I think technically, yeah, I think they could. I mean, I know that alcohol, um, we're allowed to, you know, work with alcohol brands, um, but we don't with uh, student athletes. We just don't think it's a good space to be in whether they're Mm -hmm. 21 or not. Um, so we, we do shy away from that. That doesn't mean we don't, I have, we have our own beer, right? Uh, we have a beer through steel hands brewery called sandstorm. Uh, and, uh, you know, 20% of the proceeds, uh, from the, from, from that come back to the Garnet trust. So that helps cool. offset some of our, um, operation costs and things like that, which allow more money to go to the universe, yeah. go to the athlete. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. And, and probably vape would fall in the same yeah. category. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm thinking about the big brands that I hear about, Maybe it would be Gatorade sure. or, I don't know, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Is the, that is the, that kind of where everybody wants to be? Of course, but those brands also want to make sure that they're utilizing the athletes that can span across their whole um, viewership, right? So right. Gatorade Gatorade doesn't really care about, you know, what's happening in Columbia. South. I mean, they do, but they, they don't. it's not like they're going to market just to the Columbia market. They want to market to every single city and state throughout the United States and probably even internationally to some degree because there are a lot of athletes that do have international appeal and so those brands are typically working with alpha talent is what typically you know they're called and so alpha talent is basically at the best case scenario about 10 percent of the total um, amount of athletes out of university i would say at carolina right now we probably have from an alpha talent perspective probably you could count all on, on two hands um, out of 550 athletes. That's all sports. That's all sports. Yeah, yeah wow. and it's difficult. I mean, the women's uh, basketball team has has a lot of athletes that do get close to and or fit into that category. Right. Last year, Leah Boston, uh, um, Bree Beal, uh, Zia Cook, those three were definitely considered that alpha talent. They were very marketable. Um, you know, and Spencer Rattler, of course, on the football team is, and we're seeing athletes like Xavier Leggett, who's leading the country in receiving yards. He's now put it putting himself into that alpha talent. Now you don't all, you know, it's just like school. You know, you might have an A for one minute, you might get a B right, the next. So right. a lot of it is dependent on, you know, how their marketability can kind of go up and go down on a, on a yearly basis. Yeah. Now, how are you hearing about athletes? Are you out there watching across the board, just all sports to see if there's a, a talent or somebody that you guys could approach and market, or are they more so coming to you like coaches and 
staff and things of that. I would say the majority of it, especially with the Olympic sports, um, it's a combination uh, of, of both of those. Uh, definitely work with the with the coaches um, just to find out, you know, they might tell me about something I'm not familiar with. I'll be honest, I've never been to a swim meet. Right. Uh, right. I don't know who the di- the best divers are, or who's the best, you know, backstroke uh, swimmer. Right. Uh, so I do need some help in that. You know, again, we only have two of us, so it's kind of difficult to to, to go see all the right. sports at, at one time. But so it's it's a it's a mixture of that. I mean, football's obviously football, basketball, and even baseball to an extent. I mean, those are the easiest. Those are the ones that are going to get the most airtime anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What, so then I guess what is your process of, uh, I guess, identifying a candidate or what makes a good candidate? Is it their current social media following already? Like they have X amount of followers. Is it their amount of play? Like I, I guess I wonder about yeah, that. So, yeah, so technically, like I said earlier, it technically cannot be about pay to play, which means I cannot you know, compensate an athlete for scoring two touchdowns or gotcha. hitting three home runs. Now – does their play affect their marketability? Absolutely. If right, someone's, right. you know, runs, uh, you know, a thousand yards in a game, which of course is unheard of, but if that yeah, happened, yeah. their marketability, everyone from Gatorade down to the cleaner is uh, the local cleaner is going to want to do something with that athlete. So that does, that does, you know, play a part um, of it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a mixture of all of the above. I mean, I want athletes to come to us. I mean, they, they have to earn this money. This is not money that they are just given. They have to do a deliverable for it like with the foundation, working with a nonprofit. Um, so if, if they're willing to work, um, we're willing to try to help facilitate something for them. Um, we, we look at this and, and we say this, and, and it, I know for those who, who listen to me a lot, it, it, it becomes uh, redundant, but it's not about the four years you're at USC. It's about the 40 years after. That's what we're focused on is setting them up for success after they leave the university because the percentage of leaving and playing in a professional sport is very, very, very small. It's, you know, around, you know, right. one and a half, two percent. And then of that, the average, specifically in the NFL, the average lifespan is about three years. I don't care who you are, three years, and that's not going to sustain you for the rest of your life. Um, you're going to have to have something else to fall back on. So that's what we're trying to work on is giving these app- these athletes an opportunity to build up a brand so that they can potentially find work elsewhere. Um, maybe it's a business is like, man, I really love that person. They seem like they're a hard worker. They might call them out of the blue and say, hey, I noticed you're not in the league anymore. Are you looking for work? Right. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be an entertainment focused type of uh, brand. Right. And they would have different personalities, I guess, that they portray. Like Kai is, is his personality is yeah. just nice, good, down to earth guy. That's who he is. And, and then there's some other ones that are, they're wild or partier or yeah. more controversial. Yeah. Is, have you seen anything in the way of like the type of personality get different well, yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone's different. We want everybody to be who they are, but at the same time, we also want to put out a good image to the community that these athletes are, are doing the, the, the right thing. So in our contracts with the athletes, there are a lot of pieces in there to make sure that they do stay on their best behavior, whether they... It's Ooh, a, like what? What's well, a weird I mean, thing that gets put in the contract? Well, it's not, I would say it's weird. It's, uh, you know, things like uh, accused of crime, getting kicked out of school academically, getting... Uh, you know, kick off the team, suspended from the team, mm-hmm. um, saying something on social media that could be detrimental to the university, your team, or your brand. Um, so, we're, you know, these these are all things that real businesses look at when, you know, they have contracts with their employees. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very, you know, careful to explain that at, at a very basic level because, you know, some of these athletes are, are just eight, turning 18 uh, right. and, they're, and they're, they don't fully grasp that. So we sit down and we do a lot of teaching uh, to make sure that they fully understand what they are expected to do. This is a responsibility that they have to, um, you know, tend to very well. 
Uh, so we do that along with having financial advisors to make sure that they are spending their money the right way, um, accountants to make sure that they are holding back the money that they, they need for taxes. Again, we talked about the brand piece. We do some media training to help them when they do get in front of the camera or on a podcast like this, that they don't get a gotcha question and, and stumble on it. Um, but also, you know, again, we're looking at this as a long-term piece, not just while they're here. This is just the the, the beginning point of their of their long-term career. Cool. Nice. Talk to us about just what a typical contract would look like or, or a, a deal that, that would just be your, you know, middle of the road, nothing sure. crazy, but what would that structure look like for the business and then for the athlete? Yeah. So we found, and, and we're, we're always reevaluating, there's no roadmap to, to NIL. I mean, we, we joke about it. It's, uh, it's like building a boat in the middle of the ocean. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. We are constantly trying to find the best possible way of doing things. We learn from our co- counterparts at other universities those third-party collectives, uh, what they're doing, whether they've made mistakes um, and things like that. So we, we're really becoming um, a good uh, brotherhood and sisterhood uh, to, to share those best practices. But from a, a, our contracts as I stand today, the easiest way we've been able to construct them is we basically set an hourly rate for these, for these athletes. And we say, okay, player A, to get paid this amount of money, you're gonna, you owe us this many hours. And that hours, and then it specifies what those hours look like. It could be working in a charity. It could be going to an gotcha. event, making calls to a donor, having dinner with a donor, things of that nature. So we construct it because it's easier for us to allocate that work based on an hour. Nice. So if a fan, let's just say you have a, a bigwig fan that their son's turning 10 years old. Perfect. And they want to have Spencer come to the birthday party. Let's do it. Do they, so would they just reach out to you guys they and would. say, let's talk about the hourly rate and kind of what that would look like? And then I guess how much control does Spencer have in saying, no, not a chance? Yeah, he, he has he has a you know, right of refusal for anything. Okay. Um, obviously, in his contract, though, he's agreed to do certain things. If he doesn't, then we have to renegotiate what that contract looks like. But in Spencer's case, he does have a an agent, a wonderful okay. agent who represents a lot of the top talent in the NFL. So I would work directly with him as well to make sure that that fits into what uh, Spencer wants to do and so forth. And, and they're, they've been very helpful um, and making sure that Spencer does follow through. Spencer would love to do it. He probably would just do it out right, of his own good right. heart, but this is an opportunity for him to, again, earn money and, and so forth. Gotcha. So that that parent would just reach out to you guys. Correct. You guys would say this is the hourly rate and just kind of Absolutely. date and time and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Nice. And there's probably social media posts in there somewhere too, right? There are, yeah. So And that's and, and that's part of it. So we, we, again, to simplify everything, we might put down a social media post is even though it takes five minutes, it might count towards 15 minutes of that hourly contract. It's just easier for us to keep track of um, because there's so many things as the year progresses, there's different things that are happening. And and, and to try to plan out a year in advance of this is how much of this, 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 and this you're going to do, things can change. And instead of having to go back and uh, re-address the the contract all the time, we try to make it as, as blanketed as we possibly can. When can deals start? Is it something, if you know somebody's getting recruited to the University of South Carolina and they're still a high school student, can you start brokering a deal at that point, like in high school? Yeah, so that's a, it's a great question. I was actually in D.C. Um, last week and, and speaking to a lot of the legislators about uh, this specifically. Um, some states, the laws allow you, that to happen. Missouri is a, a, a state that just recently passed a law that allows if a student quote-unquote, commits to a Missouri university and they live in the state, they are allowed to start working with the collective and procure deals. We are not uh, in the state of South Carolina. And and the way that we manage is we don't talk to recruits. We don't negotiate deals or anything until they are on campus um, as students. So they've been accepted through the admissions process and so forth. 
They are considered a PSA, a, a prospective student athlete at, during the recruiting cycle. And then once they're on campus, they're considered an SA, a student athlete. We don't touch them until they're an SA. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Nice. So the, the social media stuff, like a, a company may come and talk to you, which I'm sure it's different across the board. Right. Cleaner is going to be a totally different contract than some international brand. Sure. But if you take some of the smaller contracts, what does that look like? I'm curious. I mean, from what, a dollar perspective? I'm, well, I'm, yeah, and just what they want. Like, I'm curious what a cleaner would want. Like, maybe they want... Shoot a to, commercial or something. Or, yeah, or they they get to meet the athlete at the game and take a photo with them. Sure. I mean, it, it goes all over the board. Wide from open, a, yeah. yeah, wide stinking open. And, and, in fact, I think what a lot of businesses don't realize because a lot of businesses using the cleaner as an example probably a small business probably one or two maybe three people in that business there's probably not a lot of uh of opportunity financially to to you know pay someone like this so they might give an in-kind gift so we're seeing a lot of businesses who i think we're trying to educate them to sell to tell them that but maybe the cleaner says you know what i can't pay you but I will come to your apartment and I will clean your apartment four times for you to do this for me. Right, like a um, trade. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. an in-kind. So we, so we get, you know, businesses who are willing to give gift cards. Um, you know, maybe it's, a, you know, a, a, a stretch place or yeah. a chiropractor yeah, yeah. organization where they're willing to say, you know what, we'll come in and, let, and do this amount of work for you if you work, come on my podcast or, you know, go on the radio and do an ad for us or something like that. Yeah. Good. Is there a way where a business could come to you and say they're wide open to whatever athletes you have available? And they're like, this is just what we're looking for. We're looking for seven athletes right. to be in a Facebook ad and, you know, here's our price point. Absolutely. And you guys could kind of say, like, I got a volleyball player, a softball player, a soccer player, a cheerleader. Yeah, absolutely. We do. So we have, um, you know, I told you we had the two, just myself and Mark, um, that are quote unquote employees, if you will. But I mean, we literally can't do it all. So right. we have to sub out some of our other stuff. So we do sub out some marketing help. Uh, we also sub out some of the sales help, which is the ones who directly deal with the um, the businesses and so forth. So what their job is to do is to help build out a marketing plan that the business can really see what the ROI is, right? If I'm going to ask you for money, I better right. be able to, you better be able to see a way that it helped monetize for your business. Sure. And if not, chances of you coming back and giving to us, unless you're a diehard Gamecock that has, you know, tons of money just to, you know, throw away, yeah. you're going to want to see a return on that investment. And that's something that my team, my, our sales team, that's what they spend the bulk of their time on is putting those presentations together. Nice. Yeah. And there's probably some interesting stories behind the athletes. I always think about the person who came up against all odds and now they're a student athlete and they're fighting yeah. to, you know, to, I guess, make it or pay the tuition amount yeah. versus like someone else who they've just been on this track kind of forever and it's fairly easy for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of really great stories. I, I mean, I just love the idea of using businesses to help out the athletes, just like that story that you were saying, but you don't really know who they are right. or what's happening. Like I, I didn't know about that story and I don't know about, there's probably a bunch more. There's a ton more. I mean, there's a, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the athletes, um, you know, in college have come from underserved, you know, um, communities. And so the money can go really, really uh, far for them, help a parent maybe not have to work one of the many jobs they have to have just to make ends meet. Um, and, and so this is giving a lot of opportunity for them to give back to the, the, the families that have worked so hard for them while they were, um, you know, playing the sport, uh, whether it be in youth or high school or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And then how, how do you choose, so how would a business choose 
who they want to work with. I'm curious how that works. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's, they can come to me and say, I want to use Spencer Rattler. This is what yeah. I want to do. They can come to me and say, here's what I'm looking to achieve by participating in this space. What do you think would be the best way I to see. achieve that? Got so it. it might be, you know, if it's a pool company, you know, someone close to water might be a good one, whether mm -hmm. it be a swimmer or a diver or something that we could add that functionality into it, assuming, again, based on their budget, that, you know, it, it could um, attract an athlete of, of that, you know, in that space, so to speak. Nice. Yeah. Do you guys have a platform where, just like you said with that story, where athletes could just post and say, here's my story, here's what I'm looking for, and and then be able to market that to the Columbia community to say, shit, I'd want to give them, here's $100 towards that, don't even need anything in return, per se. Am I bugged? No. I, I'm not bugged. No. Okay. <laughs> um, because it's funny you mentioned that we literally uh, were having that conversation yesterday, or a couple of days ago. Um, we are, we have done that, uh, but we have not done it good enough. Gotcha. Um, so we are actually spending a good portion of this week and next week, building out those stories, trying to decide which ones we want to, um, go and do first so yeah. that it, to your point, people can see the right. effects that this is having. Uh, unfortunately just with anything media wise, right. It's, it's always the, 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 the big story. Um, and, and I think the most that people are hearing about NIL these days is the, so and so bought you know a two hundred thousand dollar car right. before they got and they Big crashed thing. it within you know that's there again there's five hundred and fifty student athletes at USC right. across the country there's like sixty thousand and when that happens one or two times you do the math that's a very small percentage but that's the stories that are going to be pushed out on the media yeah. right because you think with the fan base here and how passionate people are like any there'd be so much money that people would just throw at them yeah and and, and I think people don't realize um, that every penny counts. I mean, it literally counts. Um, you know, not to get political in any stretch of the means, but, you know, Bernie Sanders did a very good job, a grassroots push where everything, everybody, and, and I'm not completely sure, so please don't yell at me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like $20 he was asking of per, uh, per supporter. And that made millions and millions and millions of dollars. People just sometimes don't think that, well, I can only give $5. That's not going to go very far when we're talking about someone who has the perception of making a million plus dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you have $5 from five, you know, thousand people or 10,000 people or, you know, $5 from everyone who's sitting in Williams Bryce stadium on, on a, on a Saturday night, um, that money adds up fast. Mm -hmm. Right. That's massive. I guess. So tell the audience prior to NIL deals, cause this is newer. What were, what were the rules and regulations around athletes? Like were they able, I know with Johnny Manziel, he couldn't even sign the autographs or he had some issues with autograph stuff. What were they allowed to do? Were they allowed to start their own business, like selling T-shirts? They what no, was their? They couldn't do anything. They couldn't. They could not get jobs. Um, they were not legally allowed to get jobs. If they were a full ride scholarship on you know from athletics, they were Just not allowed to get jobs. Yeah, that's wild. But if I got a full ride, if I got a full ride scholarship academically, I could get whatever job I wanted. But if you're an athlete, that prohibited you for doing that. Um, University of Central Florida had a kicker. Um, a few years ago who happened to have a, a, a pretty popular YouTube channel, I think. Um, and he basically had to decide there's an opportunity to monetize on this or to stay and play football. And he decided he's like, I, I, I can't take the chance of not doing anything with right. football. I can monetize on this. So he walked away from his, or excuse me, walked away from the football team. Right. And, you know, three years later or so, he could have done both. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize you couldn't get a job, but it makes sense because I guess the point with that, like somebody could say they have a job at a car dealership and make hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah, and do right. nothing, yeah, right? Or, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't realize that 
the average Division One athlete across all sports puts in about 38 hours a week directly to their sport. So you have a full load, you know, from a, right. from a school perspective, and you're putting in almost a full-time job just, you know, in the athletic facilities, whether it's going over film or working out or whatever to, you know, to be ready for that next game. Um, the, there's very little time for them to even make that money. So this offers them a chance to do that in, in conjunction. Sure, it does take more time because, like I said, they have to work for it, but at least there's something, you know, at the end of the tunnel that's, uh, that's profitable for them. How, how many of the 550 athletes are doing NIL deals right now? Yeah, so I can't speak for everyone, but as far as this year, we have worked with about 130-ish athletes on mm-hmm. campus. I'm sure there's a few that have done something on their own. There's no law saying that they can't work with another entity or something like to that extent. But we've worked with about 130, actually more are, are females than males. I right. mean, the money's a little bit different between males and females, obviously, because of football being, you know, the king of the castle, so to speak. But we really try to work with as many athletes as we can. And, and a lot of the perception out there, like I said, I was in D.C. last week. The perception is that the NIL is only benefiting uh, male athletes. Uh, and that might be true at some schools, but not here. We we, we really try to work with as many uh, athletes as possible. And this year we've been lucky enough to work with uh, more females than males. Mm-hmm. And then what are they – are they um... – allowed to wear the the uniform let's say for the school no they're, they're not. not no so it, it comes down to the relationship so we have a partnership with um, Learfield who is the marketing arm of the University of South Carolina um, and we are allowed to use the marks the school's marks on yeah. anything related to us but if a brand comes in and says we'll use Gatorade as that example again says hey I want to do something with this athlete, Gatorade would have to buy the, the, the opportunity to use those marks in their campaign, which they can, yeah. uh, but it, most most uh, entities don't because that's just an additional cost and it's not cheap. Right. Um, so no, you'd have to take off anything that that would symbolize that university. So whether it be a stripes on a jersey or whether it be no the kidding. name of the university, yeah. Even that detailed. So you they couldn't wear like a blank jersey with their number. Yes, they can. Oh, they, they can, can do that. Do that. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. And and they, are they allowed to say what they do in the yes. promotion? Yes. So they're they're not allowed to have a physical photo of correct. it, but they're allowed to talk about it. That's and correct. Say what they do. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, I guess um, prior to starting Garnet Trust, what were you guys doing before NIL stuff? Like, what was your background in? Yeah, my background is very unique. So um, I'm actually the only one in my family not to go to USC. Really? Yeah. So I, I grew up here in Columbia. Uh, my parents were both school teachers. We moved down to Florida. Um, back when I was in, uh, in middle school and, um, you know, when it came time for me to go to college, I, you know, out of state tuition, it was just unheard of. Um, so, you know, there's no way that could happen. So I, I stayed and did, did school down there. But, um, so my background after, after going to college was, um, I started doing events, uh, for, for a national, uh, antivirus company and started doing things locally, trade showy type stuff. And it ran up to all, to all the way to doing, uh, opening the the market bell at NASDAQ several times um, and bringing in people from all over the world for product launches and things like that. So I did some very small scale events all the way up to multi-million dollar events. Um, traveling was on, you know, the lot for me. So I, uh, um, and I, I got, you know, my girlfriend at the time became my fiance and now my wife. Uh, it just, there's no way I could, I could build a relationship and start a family or anything like that with that lifestyle. So I, um, stepped into more of a marketing role, did that for a handful of years, um, and then moved on to a smaller Spanish-based company out of Madrid uh, and did uh, the marketing for them across North America for uh, a little bit of time before the economy that was already struggling really fell off the face of the earth. And 
Um, so I was let go from that and all the U S based employees were as well, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I, and then we moved up to Atlanta to, um, to take on another opportunity for me. Um, and two days before I was supposed to start that they froze all the positions. Oh, um, no. so I was just moved with a one year old Jeez. in Atlanta, had no job. Um, I literally called everyone that I knew and said in Atlanta and said, give me at least one name of somebody who has a connection that you don't have. Right. Um, and it went through that list very quickly and then fell backwards into uh, executive recruiting. Um, I started my own company um, there in Atlanta and contracted with uh, a buddy, uh, an acquaintance that became a really strong friend and I did that for the past 12 years. Um, it's uh, very, very um, financially fruitful if you work at it, but it's also extremely um, uh, draining uh, at the same time. So when this opportunity came up, it gave me an opportunity not only to give back to the university that I love so much, even though I couldn't uh, go here, uh, but it also gave me a chance to move back home. Um, so I'm, I'm back here in Columbia. All my family's here, my uh, stepbrothers and sisters, all my nieces and nephews, uh, my father, my stepmom. So it's, it's really, really great to be back home. But I was able to utilize all the marketing and my first part yeah. of my career through the, through the executive recruiting, which is relationship building and contract negotiations, that has allowed me to kind of, you know, take on this role and feel somewhat comfortable in it. But, you know, like I said, we are creating something from nothing and there's no roadmap. So it's kind of difficult to know that we're doing the right things. But I, I kind of think we are in some ways. We can yeah. always grow, though. Right. That's what I was wondering. What's a day in the life look like for you guys? Uh, lots of coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's the, the, the normal nine to five is, is gone. Um, college athletes. And I start thinking, okay, I, I was that once many, many moons ago, but, uh, you know, most athletes, they don't, they don't start like talking until it's dark, right. you know? So my phone starts going crazy between eight and 10 PM no and I'm tired by then. I mean, I'm getting, I'm almost 50, <laughs> yeah. so I'm ready to go to bed. I mean, my wife and I literally sit down before we watch TV and negotiate what time we're going to go to bed. Um, so, you know, it, it can start off in the morning. I mean, I have a lot of meetings, uh, that I'm constantly doing, whether it be with businesses, whether it be with the school, whether it be with coaches, but some athletes that, are, that do get up earlier, or maybe it's the radio show or some other type of things that we're doing or podcasts like this, well, I will be in and out of the office, so to speak. Uh, and then I spend a lot of time, you know, making sure that the athletes are, you know, doing the deliverables, they're scheduled. Don't forget, you have to be here at this time. You have to make sure you do this. Make sure you text me back when you're not excuse me, when you're finished and things of that nature. Um, and so just, yeah, like running around like a chicken with my head's cut off. Yeah. I mean, I've, we've been really, really lucky. We put out some feelers and got um, several um, interns from the university that are helping us out. And they kind of have started, we had a few that started with us back in the summer. And then we have a few more that are, that started with us about a week and a half ago. So we're starting to have them help me and some of the things that I need help with. So that's going to be, uh, hopefully allow me to, uh, to have a little bit more sanity in my life. Sweet. Who's who would you say is the most slept on or, or what sport is the most slept on sport? Meaning everybody thinks football, everybody thinks basketball, but where would you say is this big value add that nobody talks about? Ooh, that's difficult. Um specifically it's South Carolina. Beach um, volleyball. I'm going to throw beach I, volleyball. I know. I know. I, I was just saying women's volleyball in general is fun to watch. But you know, and that's and it's funny you mentioned that. That's a that's a sport that we're really trying to engage in uh, a lot more. Uh, and helping them out and really kind of highlight what they've done. They've they've had a, a good a good run. Volleyball is not historically known at the University of South Carolina to be a top level um, sport, uh, but it's getting there. It's growing, and so we are, we are trying to help them in that space. Yeah. Um. I, I think uh, I think women's soccer um, is is a huge one uh, for the University of South Carolina. I I love the the young women that that are on that team. Um, they are very 
um, responsible. They're very kind. They're very appreciative. Um, and if I walked to them and said, hey, I have a $20, $25 gift card, you know, from wherever, if you will do this for them, they would take it in a heartbeat and be like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I mean, for them, that's money in their pocket, right. especially if they're getting, you know, I know a lot of them like to get their uh, manicures and pedicures from a specific, uh, you know, space. And being able to not have to spend the 20, 40 bucks to go get that done because they have a gift card. I mean, that's that's real money. Yeah, nice. Then I guess, so how does, if a business wants to work with you guys, do they reach out, pay you guys a fee to then find the athlete and kind of do the deal with that? Yeah, great question. No, um, the, we, we don't do that. We we do take 10% of the money that we receive off the top um, for uh, operating costs. And yeah. so 90% of that goes back to the athlete on the on, when it comes to a business and so yeah, forth. Yeah. But I wouldn't say we really take a fee. Um, you know, if... if it all comes from different different ways. The money comes in from different ways. You know, I talked a, a little bit about the beer. Um, you know, right, some of those right. beer sales that offsets that ten percent. So yeah. we, we just look at the end of the day to take ten percent. So you might get ninety nine point nine percent value with one deal and so forth. But yeah, we we don't take a a, a standard number gotcha. off that. Now, are co- if coaches, I guess the big coaches have their own agents. I I would imagine right. that are. That if they, but are they also involved in the NIL type of stuff? They are not allowed to um, participate financially um, at all. They can go out, and Coach Beamer has done a great job with this. Coach Staley's done a great job. Coach Paris, Coach Kingston, and the list goes on. Um, they are allowed to call and help raise money for the Garnet Trust. Um, they can't say, we really want you to give to the Garnet Trust. Please give them $25,000 right. for Spencer Rattler. They gotcha. cannot do that. But they can say, hey, it's very important for our success long term to have the resources we need to be successful. And this is where we are today. NIL is the new facilities. Right. You know? Right. And so they can say, we need your support. And to do that, you need to help the Garnet Trust out. Yeah, I guess that's, that's what I was wondering with, with just the, you alluded a little bit to the recruiting aspect that this has kind of changed a bit. And what really stood out to me was watching March Madness or just even throughout the year when I was like, oh, I haven't been following any college basketball. And I looked at the top 25 and it just was not the traditional yeah. teams. Yeah. And I thought, is that because NIL and just players are going to go where at least there's, that's there's, that's the idea, um, you know, and, and going back to football because we're in season right now and it's easy to, to probably illustrate to, to most of your listeners, you know, Alabama and Georgia and, and Clemson, we'll put those all three in there, have, his, you know, had a bulk of the national championships right. over the last 10 years. Um, and they're able to recruit based on the trophies in their case. Um, now because of the NIL, it's beginning to show more parity. You're starting to get schools right. like South Carolina, like Missouri, like Washington State. And you Colorado, name a school. With Deion Sanders exactly. in Colorado, that right. looks insane right. what he's doing. So it's it's causing a ton of parity uh, in college football. Ratings have never been higher. This is the highest they've ever been. And, you know, a lot of people are screaming, the NIL, it's the wild, wild west, it's broken, everything's bad, the, you know, Rome is burning. Um, but it's really not. And right. yeah, there's some stuff that needs to be changed. There are some guardrails that potentially need to be put up in place. But, you know, we come from an, uh, an economy where the market typically corrects itself. Uh, and I think we're going to we're going to be there sooner than later, a lot, a lot sooner than mo- more people think, where everything that has been kind of crazy and off the wall, I think is going to start getting you're going to hear less and less and less of that. And everything's going to become more streamlined because yeah. there is only so much money. And when it comes to donor focused, um, that means they're giving to a collective, to a garnet trust, if you will, versus to the athletic department. Um, and so budgets have to be kind of 
retooled and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, a donor's going to give money where they want to give it. Right. They might give it to me today, but tomorrow they might be like, you know what, I really want to give it to this project over here. And we can't be, uh, we can't be silly enough to assume that's always going to come in. Uh, we, we knew that from day one that we had to build a sustainable model. And so I've spent a good bit of my time um, when no one's calling me, of course, that's before 8 p.m. and after, <laughs> you know. But, um, you know, trying to figure out ways to do that, working with businesses, whether it be, like I said, the beer earlier, whether it be, you know, other companies that are willing to give us a percentage off the top if we do something with them from an athletic perspective with an athlete, um, you know, many different things. And we're continuing to get great ideas from businesses that are willing to kind of go out on a limb to try to help their themselves grow, but also help us grow at the same time. Does yeah. the university have their fingers in anything? Like, did they get any money out of all this? No, they're not allowed. They're not allowed at all to be um, facilitate anything with an athlete. Um, they can too, just like the coaches, you know, ask donors and ask people to give to the Garnet Trust, but no money can come through the university to us. Gotcha. That, yeah, I always when we were playing junior hockey, people would want to go to the teams where they knew that the coaches were talking to all the NCAA Division One. Sure coaches and facilities so there was one it's called the cameras kodiaks in alberta close to you know between edmonton and red deer and they would always have five or six guys that were going and getting into scholarship and then everybody would want to go there so they would almost have their pick of right who was going to come yeah. which i feel like the nil deals are starting to move that direction where if your coach has really good connections in the community and the companies and places around in the community want to donate to them, you're going to want to go play there because you know you're going to have a better chance of getting a deal. Yeah, I, I think that's true to some extent. And, and what's funny is, you know, uh, in talking and, and spending time with Coach Beamer, trying to figure out really where this falls under his, um, you know, um, comfort zone, so to speak, is, you know, he makes it very clear, you know, his first of all, he's all about building relationships. And any student athlete should go to a university for the re- to play sports specifically to build that re- because of that relationship they built with the coaching staff, right? Then the opportunity for that coaching staff to help push them and get them to be as the best version of themselves they possibly can be so that they can potentially go to that next level. And then NIL comes third or fourth or fifth down the line. If it's one or two, uh, the chances of them fitting into the locker room culture is, is probably not going to be there. So um, the coaches have to be very careful to find out what their the motivation is. Um, and if someone comes in and says, hey, I want to, you know, how much money are we gonna, am I going to make if I come here? Chances are that athlete's going to be told to go find uh, a, a suitable school elsewhere. Really? Yeah. I, you know, I can't speak. I'm not in those conversations. But, I mean, I, I, I think that's happening. I hope that it's happening because, again, um, the locker room is so important, especially when you're playing a team sport. And there's 22 players for football on the field, um, you know, at, at a given time, 11 on e- either side of the ball. Um, you have to depend on your teammates. And if, you know, three of the four teammates are, are making a ton of money and no one else on the team is, you know, chances are they might, yeah, forget that block. You know, that's what you get for exactly. making that kind of money. Right. right. Um, so you have to be careful with that. And, again, it goes back to education, whether it be educating the fan on why it's important to give. It's also important to educate the athlete on why it's important to um, be realistic with their ex- expectations and realize that, uh, you know, you guys are all a brotherhood or a sisterhood depending on the sport. And it's really – important that you guys all work collectively together nice now do you you guys only work with athletes there's you're there's no market for say influencers or things like that that are 
No, no. The, we, I mean, unless the athlete is considered an influencer, um, yeah, we we don't work with anybody outside the the, uh, the athletic side. Gotcha. And only with the university, or is there an Correct. expansion into like the Greenville Swamp Rabbits or? No, 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 no. I only work with the University of South Carolina athletes. Yeah. Where where would somebody or what does it look like for other universities? You have the Garnet Trust. What is there other places that are doing like similar? Does Benedict things? College have anything? I don't or, know if Benedict does or, uh, or Allen, but uh, I know you know. Clemson does the bigger university right, the do big ones. you know Coastal Carolina Clemson uh, I know College of Charleston they they're doing it um, as well um, so yeah I would say the majority of Division One schools um, are probably in some capacity dealing with the NIL um, I would say the of the Power Five conferences soon to be Power Four conferences I would say that you know ninety nine point nine percent of all of them are, are have their Garnet Trust if you will within their organization nice. And then you mentioned the ROI from a business standpoint. What outside of sales, I guess, what would be other things that a business could expect in in return? And maybe it's fo- is, I'm guessing like followers it, it or Google be. reviews. Yeah, or- I mean it's it's really I mean it it really is important to what they feel is that good return on their investment. Sure, we take a shot in the dark, but we have conversations. We find out where they're where they're lacking. Uh, we're working with a, um, a a restaurant here locally who's really trying to build up their evening service and their catering business. So we put together a plan to say, okay, you're doing really well in this space, lunch. How could we help you guys enhance dinner and catering? So we put together a plan that we think will work really well. They agree with that. And so we're going to do an event that allows us to inform the people who might be in a, in a geo radius of the restaurant to think about them for dinner when they're out with their family yeah. and think about them when they're having that business meeting and they need catered lunch. Um, so it's really dependent to the, um, to the business where their, their needs are and how they can be met. And then we try to put together that, that, you know, return on investment. Nice. Is, or go ahead. I was just going to say, just in, in wrapping up my questions would be, can you describe a little bit for the listeners, the differences between the foundation and the trust? And I guess if somebody's looking to donate, where would you recommend them doing that to get the the tax benefit, but also to be able to sure. support players. Yeah, absolutely. So the Garnet Trust, first of all, is an LLC. It's technically a for-profit. We don't we don't really carry a profit. We, we kind of get rid of everything by the end of the year um, so that we can give the players as much as possible. But um, that really is, the, is twofold. It's really about building out our membership, and it gives the, based on your level of membership, it gives you access to different things with the athlete. Um, you know, whether like, you know, it's memorabilia getting sent to your house, whether it's meet and greets and, you know, parties last year, we did, uh, an SEC football championship watch party. And we brought like 14 players to an event fully catered and the fans could buy tickets that weren't part of the membership levels that, that allowed for free tickets. And it was a chance for them to hang out with the players and see firsthand from their perspective, the teams that they played this year. And you know, what's happening in that game. So there's that piece. And then the business piece is also a part of that. Now, if a business gives us making $10,000 to do an activation with an athlete, that $10,000, because it's used for marketing purposes, that's deductible. That's part of an operating expense for that, for that company. So if you are a fan trying to get closer um, and want to be, you know, involved in some of the things we're doing behind the scenes with athletes, whether it be a, a virtual zoom call or something, so you could ask them personal questions. If you live in you know, Los Angeles or New York and you can't come to Columbia, yeah. uh, that's a great opportunity for you. If you're a business that's looking to do a marketing activation, again, you can deduct that. But if neither of those interest you and you want to give, and we, we think really the fair number is about 5,000 or more, um, to give it to the foundation that will allow for a tax uh, benefit, 
we will gladly take that, but we use all those dollars to do it via charity, charitable work. Um, so we will put them in with those charities, and we also give a percentage of that back to a charity um, as well, and that's to stay compliant with the IRS. Nice. Wow. Sweet. I, I'm curious what you think the biggest mistakes that businesses make when doing NIL deals. I know you've brought up the students a few times that their expectations have to be realistic and they have to do the work and they have to follow their contract. But I'm wondering about the business side of it because lots of these business owners probably have never done anything like this before. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're talking to a lot of businesses. I mean, if you've done stuff with NFL players, you have kind of some level of understanding what that return could be based on on using them as from a marketing perspective. But we're not talking to a lot of companies that have you know worked with that that level. Um, again, because that, that would be more towards that alpha level talent. But I think it's all it's being realistic to understand what that ROI could look like, how long it's going to potentially take for them to see that result, mm -hmm. um, and, excuse me, that return. Um, but I think a lot of companies, you know, initially were so gung ho on, yeah, I just want to give, I want to give, I want to give. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But when they realized and they looked at the end of the year and said, okay, well, our marketing budget went up by 20%, and it went up by 20% because we gave, you know, 12 of that percent over to, you know, an NIL opportunity, we really didn't get anything in return, chances of them coming back and doing it again is probably pretty slim. Right. So right. we really want to make sure that everyone is in agreement that this is really how we should measure this. Do we all agree? Yes. We then put it out into the universe and see if it comes back to us with the way we expect it to. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, we, we figure out a way to move forward. And maybe it's not uh, the right thing for them to do from a marketing perspective. Yeah. Nice. What's the largest one-time broker deal that you've been a part of or, or have seen or... Um, well, I, I, most of our deals contract wise, we sign NDAs, um, so we oh, can't discuss can. them. Can't, gotcha. I can't discuss them. So, um, I'll, uh, bleed Pass the fifth. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess how do people, what's the website and how do people, uh, reach out to you guys or yeah, again, garnettrust.com or garnettrustfoundation.org. Um, there's, uh, info at for all, both of those, um, go on there. My phone number's on both of them. I think, I hope so. Um, I haven't getting calls, so I'm assuming that's the case, but, uh, you know, if there's any questions that people have, we're more than happy to facilitate that, that this is a, a long-term education process. Everyone is in a different stage in their life and understanding of where we are. Um, and sometimes we take that for granted and we have to do a better job of really spending time with the person or people where they are and then try to um, educate them on, on what can be done. But um, I can tell you now, if you're a Carolina fan, this is a huge opportunity. We are very close. If you watched the game last week, we led the half against the number one team in the country. We are very close to getting to the top of, of the mountain, so to speak. And next year when we go to 12 teams playoff, we realistically should be in there. And with every support, again, every penny helps. If we can get that support, I truly believe that we are going to be go places that the Carolina team has never gone before. Uh, Coach Beamer uh, loves it here. Um, he doesn't want to go anywhere. This is a destination job. We haven't had that on the football side. Uh, Coach Staley, I mean, this is a debt. She could have easily gone many other places. She's staying here. And we already see the the fruit that that we've gotten from, from her being right. here on campus for as long as she has. Um, you know, and, and, and so I really do think that we are in a great spot from, a, from an athletic perspective to really take all programs to the next level, but everybody needs to come on and be a part, a part of that. Love it. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Thanks for, for having on. me. No, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Here. We're here for the health of it. For the health of it.